into the contest. All right, it's Tuesday the 19th of April. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Shadwicker here, filling in for Tim at the moment, but joined by the man, the legend, Shane Lee, after probably a very busy Easter weekend, Shane. Not so much, mate. I'm up here in the lovely Port Douglas still, and uh, I've got a few more days to go, mate, so still working on the tan. And, uh, look, yeah. plenty of sport on the weekend, so it was good to... Uh, you know, come come from the beach or the pool and relax, and then watch a bit of footy and on TV. It was uh, it was a great way to spend an Easter weekend. Oh, mate! I see. I'm originally from Cairns. I love it up that way. I mean, although Port Douglas is usually where people go to retire, so you don't have any news for us, eh? You <laughs> no. just get a grey nomad at now. No, I do. I do have some white shoes, but I'm not retiring just yet. But uh, I'm going back through Cairns on the way home. Obviously, you fly out of Cairns, but uh, so I got one more night there. So um, yeah. Oh, you got to go to Gilligan's. Want to go to the backpackers for a, for a night on the town, mate? We did many moons ago when six and eight. To play up here, but uh, I'll be staying away this trip with the kids, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, today on the show, we'll be talking NRL. Man, some crazy games across the weekend in the NRL and the AFL, plus some big stuff in the tennis, all up next on Afternoon Sport. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Let's kick things off with cricket, Shane. Uh, Damage Aussies left on England after the Ashes thrashing. Ricky Ponting, uh, they're going to need more help than that, are they? I think so, mate. Uh, I think if you look back to uh, nine years ago when Mitchell Johnson tore through the English uh, cricket team, 20 people lost their jobs post that destruction. What we've currently got Mm. after our 4-0 win this year in the Ashes, um, you've seen Joe Root has now stepped down as captain. Uh, he's um, although he's won the most games ever as an England captain, the last I think eleven Tests he's, he's lost, so um, he's stepping down. That means Ben Stokes, the all rounder, is probably the only other guy that is guaranteed a spot in the team, and he doesn't really want the job as captain. So they're in really in big trouble. Justin Langer, there's been discussions around him. Will he go and coach them? Um, I'm still not sure where he's had at. And they're saying that Ricky Ponting is a potential um, candidate to to coach the team. But Ricky earns just too much money in Australia. He's, he's not going to uh, leave his home and his young family for 300 days a year to go and coach the England cricket team unless they pay him an absolute bomb. And uh, I can't see that happening. So they're in real big trouble, England. It always makes me feel uncomfortable when, like, Aussies, like, Aussie greats go and coach another mm. international side. You know what I mean? Like, even in the rugby, when um, Jones went and coached England, I was like, oh, that feels a bit on the nose. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it, it's tough. And, and I think that, that they're really smart the teams around the world to to get the best and uh, to coach, and, and we've seen that happen. Yeah, as an Aussie, as a supporter, it's always tough to swallow. But I think as a player yourself, um, you have limited uh opportunities to work once you retire unless you Mm. go into the media like Ricky Ponting has so coaching is a natural progression so for a lot of guys it's our only real lifeline Oh, no, it just seems insane to me. Could you imagine if, like, we lost an Ashes on home soil and the coach was, like, oh. Ricky Ponting? Like- yeah. <laughs> well, 
I, Justin Langer said Ricky Ponting is probably the best coach going around, and technically I agree. Ricky Ponting is a genius when talk about batting and even bowling and, and fielding. He's, he's a genius on, on the technical side of things. Um, don't forget, as a captain, Ricky Ponting lost three Ashes series uh, mm. with the Warren McGraths and, and the Lees and the Haydens and the Gilchrist. So um, that's not, not all down to Ricky Ponting, but... I think as a coach, he would do a very, very good job with England. Now, let's turn our attention to tennis. And TA has uh, just found out the de- more devastating news about Ash Barty retiring from tennis. It is costing Aussie tennis millions of dollars. Potentially $200 million, Chad. So, <sighs> so Tennis Australia currently on a, a five-year deal uh, with Channel 9, $60 million a year. Um, after the, the last um, uh, Australian Open, where Ash Barty's numbers in the final were 4.2 million people watched that final mm. so throw in the Dales final as well which that was heavily supported over 3 million people there and then you've got the special K's Curios and Kokonakis um, and, and, and the way they performed the ratings were through the roof so Tennis Australia were hoping to take that $60 million a year to $100 million a year so 500 over 5 years but unfortunately, Ash Barty's retired now, and she's a big, big chunk of that audience. So, uh, yeah, I dare say they're not going to get the figure they were hoping for. Yeah, I think it also just speaks to something that's happening in tennis in general at the moment, I think. You know, and mm. now that the big dogs are starting to, I wouldn't say slip, because they're still obviously in contention. Novak's playing again. He's going to be the back up the top. But there's not enough characters We've spoken about this before. There's not enough characters in the sport. No. And you need that if you're going to be selling these TV deals. You do. And look, there's not enough dollars in free-to-air TV anymore. And if you look at uh, mm. Cricket Australia, the, the deal they did with Channel 7. Um, so remember, 7 used to have the tennis and, and cricket cricket was on Channel 9. Well, they swapped around. So Channel 7 took on the cricket for $450 million over five years in 2018. But they, they sort of padded the deal out with... Um, uh, gave half the rights to Foxtel and KO for another six hundred and seventy yeah. million. So they got one point two billion, which is the biggest TV rights deal in this country to date. Matt, you got to watch this space. I think a lot of them are looking at what the NBA's done and uh, start develop their own streaming 100%. platforms because that's yep. the only yep. way you're going to start making some money as a sport. Uh, before we leave tennis, we've got uh, an up and coming team freak, Emma Raducanu, has revealed mm. what might be a secret to success on the court, <laughs> but it's not probably what you think of. Well, it's not. It's not going to make it look great in a pair of high heels, the poor girl. Um, she's lost her toenails. So, so this used to happen um, in cricket with with fast bowlers. Uh, if you're a right hand fast bowler, you lead your, your front foot. Hand is your left foot, and generally a lot of fast bowlers will lose the toenail on their big toe because the oh. front of your shoe slides into the front of your boot. Now she's played a lot on clay court growing up, and obviously her feet are sliding a lot around in her shoes, right. and she's lost all the toenails on her, both her feet. The poor girl, so she's a bit, she's um, she feels a bit self conscious about uh, exposing her feet. But um, look, she's a lovely girl and she's a good tennis player, so I think she'll get past that, and I'm sure some guy will in the future. Well, if you've still got your toenails on yours, Shane, I think the going rate at the moment is about fifty bucks for foot pits <laughs> pics on Instagram. So, mate, you would not want my toenails, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Bell's Beach uh, took place over the weekend as well, and Tyler Wright has clinched a maiden title at Bell's. Yeah, awesome, Tyler Wright. Uh, Look, she joins the likes of Lane Beachley, Stephanie Gilmore, Sally Fitzgibbon. This is one of the biggest events, probably the biggest event uh, for a surfer in Australia. And it's the most sort of uh, the one that people 
have pride of place on their mantelpiece. Uh, the 28-year-old, she's from Colbar on the south coast and uh, her first title. So, look, they're tipping big, big, big future for Tyler Wright. And um, by the way, she surfed on the weekend. I, I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, it's good. so good to see, like, you know, just all the events coming back again over the East one. It felt yes. a bit, felt a bit yep. like a lot of things were missing. And then you realise mm. just how big your weekend can be with sport. Yep. And speaking of which, we're going to take a break and get into the AFL and NRL. Man, finally, the gods of rugby league have shunned down on West Tigers. We'll talk about that game soon. Uh, let's have a look at AFL over the weekend. And look, fans are up in arms at the moment. It's always a risky business when you add a new rule, but one is causing a big stir in the AFL show. It's the new umpire dissent rule, which is causing um, havoc uh, amongst both the players and the supporters. They're saying it's very, very inconsistent. The dissent rule is basically when an umpire gives a free kick away. Now if the player who has been charged with the, with, with the kick against them waves their arms around, uh, in, in, in disgust, the umpire can then give another 50 metres to the team um, with the ball. Um, and, it, and it's changing the course of, of, of a lot of games in the weekend, and they're saying it's very, very inconsistent. Dane Swan, the, the Collingwood great, basically came out and said, and I quote, fuck it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he thinks. Get rid of it. He said, um, and, and look, I, I agree. It's nothing worse. I love the game of AFL because it's, it's to me, it's a very, very simple game. And this over-engineering of rules and it's just going to take away from, from the pure essence of the game. And I agree with Dane Swine. I probably wouldn't use those words, but I, I agree with him. Yeah, I think as well, like when you make a rule like that, it's always going to be a turning point rule in a game. When you think about like you're not going to get pulled for this rule in the first mm. quarter because you're kind of playing in the game, you're not fatigued. But then when calls start to get, you know, a bit more hectic towards the end of the game, of course you're going to react to a call that didn't go your way, which means at that point in the game, it's going to mean a lot more to the result. I think Geelong copped it with like one of the... Geelong got gifted, actually, one of the kicks from one of these calls. So you you really shoot yourself in the foot if you're the AFL. You're like, we're going to fix this game. Well, it's actually going to be the deciding factor in a lot of games in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea at all. I don't think you should be screaming at the ref the whole time, but bloody hell. Yeah, I know. But, but, but who, who says that, do I wave my arms more? Does that deserve 50 metres? Or do I, <laughs> did I just come under the, uh, the threshold of waving my arms? <laughs> Didn't allow the 50. Look above the shoulders. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And hey, I, they were just my jazz hands. <laughs> I was just shaking off the sweat, sir. I don't know what you're talking right. about. Shake it off, shake it off. <laughs> um, look, look, we'll get into the NRL. We've got to talk about this game over the weekend. Absolutely unbelievable. The time. Madge has finally experienced a victory. Unbelievable game against the Eels. 21 to 20. Hastings coming back to Oz and finally getting redemption after what's been a pretty up and down career, to be honest. Yeah, great for the NRL. Great for the Tigers. And um, look, this it's always been the, the inner west, uh, the Tigers versus Eels. It's always been a, a hard-fought contest. And the Tigers winning 21 to 20. Hastings has come. It's only his third game back after a three-year absence. He took Luke Brooks' number seven jersey. I'm interested to see what you think, Shad. Is that the end of Luke Brooks? Oh, no, I think they've done the right call. I think Madge has even admitted it after the game. You know, the pressure of media got to him a little bit, and he's moved Brooks into the six. Mm. And actually, you know what? I don't actually don't see him going back into the seven. He looked great. 
Like, like uh, obviously Hastings was unbelievable, but Brooks looked so good. I mean, there was uh, one of their tries in Nofaluma was a double cutout pass, and the only reason he got that opportunity was because Hastings was on the inside, drawing gotcha. the defenders okay. running to the line and giving uh, giving Brooks a bit that you could tell there was that little bit more space. This Tigers side at the beginning put fourteen points on, and you were look you were sitting there going, "Who is this team?" Mm. And you kind of realise you're like, "Oh, Nofaluma is actually a really good player," you know. Um, the, even the first try to Leilua was insane. He carried people over the trial and his jersey looked like it was getting torn back to the other end of the field. <laughs> it, it was an unreal uh, game of footy. I think not an, I know some people probably like, oh, alarm bells for Parramatta. It was just like a bad game for Moses. Mm. And I think yep. they were playing a team that was that actually played like a proper rugby league side. I, I still don't think it's going to be things turning around for the Tigers, but it'll probably make a lot of teams that probably marked that as a calendar to take a week off to probably not think yeah. that they're going to have an easy ride. I reckon it's good. It's good to see a team that was struggling to finally get one over the line. Um, let's turn over to the Roosters, though. They had a game against the Warriors. This bunker yeah. has cooked a lot over the weekend. I know I'm mm. a Warriors fan. and I had to double-check on Twitter to make sure I wasn't just being a passionate fan. <laughs> Absolutely robbed by the, bonk- the bunker in a couple of occasions. I think we should call it the bonker. They've the bunkers. <laughs> Unbelievable calls at the moment. The only... Uh, the- I don't know. What's your view at the moment on the bunker calls, mate? Are you thinking it's getting a little bit ridiculous in rugby league? I would definitely not be using the word bunker around rugby league players. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all I'd say, mate. Now, look, look, I, look, I, I totally agree. I think the the bunker gets it wrong more often than not, and and how you can do that with technology. Often, when you slow things down, it can make make it more complicated. But yeah. look, I, I thought um, I love what Trent Robertson said about. Um, how impressed he was with Joseph Sawali coming back, and he and he uses yeah. the kiss thing, keep it simple, Sawali, which I loved. And um, look, he looked good in the air, didn't he? Oh, mate, he's a freak. I mean, Souths are going to be so annoyed that they weren't able to keep this young guy, and he's going to, mm. you know, everyone just ends up at the bloody roosters. Though. I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm so sick of them just getting all these great <laughs> players. You know, like next year they're going to have the cheese is going to be there at Hooker. Like, it's insane. Oh, no. um, <laughs> hey, can I can I ask you quickly? Because my St George Dragons got up twenty one to sixteen out oh, of the Knights. Mate, we don't want to talk about that. Can we talk about that? And, and wh- wh- where does that leave Ponga? <laughs> Mate, I, I, that'd be interesting for your opinion on that because if the mm. Knights are saying they didn't pull that contract, there's all this – it seems like such a mess. Conversations yeah. with his father, like – and um, and then if they've got Milford sitting there now this year, like I, I think – I actually think he's going to be heading to the Dolphins. I think if yep. the money is that crazy and you're not playing that good, you're going to go, aren't you? Well, it was in our predictions at the start of the year, and I think it's one hundred percent going to happen now. I just yeah. think, just just the body language, uh, and I, there's something going on. And I think you're right. Milford will come in and and perform, and and Ponga will slowly slowly switch off towards the end of the season and defect. I'll tell you right now because he's only got to around ten. But the the lovely mm. rumor, the rumor I really like is if Ponga goes to the Dolphins, there's only so many one point two million dollar contracts you can give out. Yeah. Uh, so do you yeah. reckon the Knights will go for uh, Munster if uh, Ponga leaves? Oh, but, oh but potentially, but I can't see Munster going to the Knights. I, that doesn't seem the right fit for him. I think it's an awful idea if he goes there. Yeah. He's, yeah. Watch, him, yeah. watch him get in a lot of trouble in Newcastle. Are you kidding me? <laughs> At the brewery. How good is that place? <laughs> oh, mate. I reckon that is one of the worst ideas you could ever have. <laughs> um, look, uh, Campbell Graham obviously as well had a great run on the weekend. He's in some fine form this year in the NRL, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him putting a Blues jersey on this uh, this year as well. It's going to be an interesting year for 
for Origin, man. I'm New South Wales, I'm scared. You guys are loading up a lot oh, across mate, the board. Aren't we wide? And look, look, as you said, Campbell Graham, he's having an unbelievable season so far. He's averaging 150 metres per game, and he's the second most post-contact metres in the league. So oh. he, that's, that's a... That, I think that's a really interesting stat that that guys can break a tackle and still make the most meters. Um, that's a, a guy. If you got the right guys around him, uh, you can score many points. Look, he has stiff competition still. Jack Whiten's putting his hand up. So is Stephen Crichton uh, to take that Latrell spot. But uh, yeah, he's looking pretty good. Campbell Graham. He, he's really, really turning in that the South City team around as well. I reckon. I mean, he's a freak. And uh, when I gamble responsibly, and any time try score from him seems to always pop up in my multi. I've got to yeah. say, but. There uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's switch to the world game at the moment. Lots of uh, lots of interesting moments. Um, Barcelona dumped out of the Euro. They're gone by the German team Frankfurt, and they lost three two. This is the first time potentially a German club could win uh, win since nineteen eighty. Wow! So to to knock down a powerhouse like Barcelona is a huge effort by the Germans, and uh, Frankfurt winning three two there. Yeah, and uh, the FA Cup thriller between City and Liverpool. Uh, look, it sucks to be a goalkeeper. I don't know why you'd teach your kids to play it. Well, the one thing with a goalkeeper, <laughs> Zach Stefan, uh, you can use your hands, mate. <laughs> what were you doing? It was, it was well, they were down two 0 already. Um, uh, Liverpool scoring the first three goals, and he tried to take on uh, a sliding defender, and the guy just slid through and kicked the ball into the net. So they were down three 0 Man City came back. Um, but look, these teams have been unbreakable um, uh, as as far as goals go for for the last um, year mm. or so. So a huge win there for Liverpool. Yeah, it's really tight at the top, and it's real scary at the bottom for my toffees. I'm an Everton fan. Mm. It looks like we might be getting relegated this year. Um, Ange also, he's been having such a good run with Celtic, but it all came to an end. Yeah, well, he won't win the treble now. So the Rangers beat Celtic 2-1, but Celtic still remain favourites to win the, the Scottish Premiership. Um, so they're still in the top there. A little bit more pressure now um, because if they would have beat the Rangers in this match and potentially locked away a win before the Premiership happened... It would have took a lot of pressure off Ange, but uh, look, I still think that they'll, they'll win the Scottish Premiership, and um, Ange has done a fantastic job there this year with his team. It's unreal. Now, um, look, I'm keen to hear this before we uh, finish up today, Shane. A bit of a mistake you've made in the change rooms. Here we go. Just slip over. <laughs> well, verbal slip, mate. So uh, our coach at the time was a guy called Jeff Lawson, and we got flogged against uh, Victoria at the MCG. Now, Jeff Lawson has a bit of a... Uh, how can I put this nicely? An elongated head. <laughs> and um, after the win, he was really just giving it to us in the change room and saying how bad we were and how disappointed he was in us. And I thought as a senior player, I would just make light of the situation. I said, hey, Henry, why the long face? And, yeah, it went down like a lead balloon and he berated me for the next 10, 10 minutes and said I don't deserve to be New South Wales men with that attitude. So from that point on, I pretty much shut up in the change room for the rest of my career. <laughs> well, that's it for Afternoon Sport today, so make sure you hit follow and subscribe wherever you listen. And before we go, a big thank you to our sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors in O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. And, of course, Tim and Shane will be back very soon for all your sports headlines. Catch you later, Shane. See you guys. Take care. Building resilience.
podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience podcast on your favorite podcast app.